0: Welcome to the Canecak podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm third approach as you navigate family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canecak podcast. My name is Bethany Lampley, and I'm joined today by my teammate, co-host, and tube slide engineer, Joe White. Joe, say hi to the people. And what kind of engineer? A tube slide engineer. Come on,
1: <laughs> <laughs> we do love to build slides around here. We sure do. And give me a chainsaw, and I can clear out any hill you want, Bethany. There we in a go. Short amount of time.
0: <laughs> well, Joe, tell us a little bit today. What are we? What are we talking about?
1: Well, Bethany, this one is important. Every mom, every dad, every eight-year-old, every college student—you name it. Whatever age, whatever you are in life. This one will fit you like a tight winter glove on a cold day. We're talking about emotional durability today, and specifically about overpowering anxiety. Oh man, has anyone listening to this podcast ever struggled as I have with anxiety? And Beth Ann, you know this little phone that I'm holding? I happen to have mine on the top of the desk because it's like a dog leash. Uh, this little iPhone <laughs> that most of us carry around, uh, I call it the new nicotine. It, as I have spent so much time talking to students, mostly high school and college students over the last few years, is just killing people emotionally. There's something about staring at that screen 18 hours a day that produces more anxiety and fear in this generation than any generation I have worked with in 50 years. There's more stoked-up, deep-seated, harmful, debilitating anxiety in this generation. And I'm not just talking 12-year-olds or 14-year-olds. I'm talking about this generation all the way up to whoever doesn't use iPhones anymore than any generation I've ever worked with in my life. And suicide has become the staggering result for all of us, obviously not suicidal, but it it freezes the heart to zero degrees Fahrenheit. Anxiety makes you stone cold. You can't think, you can't act, you can't process decisions and Beth and I'm excited we're talking about this today. This is a great subject to take on for everybody.
0: I agree with you, Joe. I'm super excited. I think it's going to be really beneficial and encouraging to our listeners. And so, if you've been a faithful listener, Joe, you might be asking yourself, "Where is our host Shay Robbins who usually is kicking our our time off together?" But We've pulled a little bit of a switcheroo today. We're playing uh, musical chairs. And today, our guest is none other than Mr. Shay Robbins. Shay, welcome to the podcast.
2: It has been so hard to keep my mouth shut this long. Oh, wow.
0: Welcome. Deep breath. You can talk now.
2: Bethann, you did a great job, though.
0: Oh, thank you, Shay. It was fun.
1: So, for those that don't know, Shay is the K2 director. I get a chance to be his buddy in the summertime, and I love it. debbie Joe and I, you know, directed K2 from the time we built it in 78, and we were looking for the right guy to become the director. I wanted to mentor uh, and coach uh, and work with kids and students, and Shay is really a strong leader, Beth and He's a loving leader, he's a courageous leader, and he's a wise leader.
0: That's awesome. Well, Shay, we know that you are passionate about this topic of anxiety. So share with us, you know, why is anxiety of great concern to you? Why is this topic important to you and important for us to talk about today?
2: I really needed to slide over into the guest chair. And the reason I needed to slide over is because the my my concern for anxiety in general is is so high. You know, we have witnessed an interesting cross-section where, as Joe mentioned, our our 20-somethings are the first generation that has been saturated in technology. So from the moment they were born till this day, they don't know anything different. So that's a major factor. Then we just emerged from a two-year pandemic where we had an excuse to not do every challenging thing in our life. So we had a social excuse, an academic excuse, a physical excuse, and the cross-section of those two things has created a really, I would say, tender grounds for people emotionally. And as leaders, we're ministering to people who are really struggling with anxiety. And so it's interesting a couple months ago, God put a message on my heart, and he'd been kind of like building it over the, the last couple years. But this message called emotional durability, and I went to Indiana Westland and I shared it at an FCA on a Monday night. And the word got out on campus, and by the time I left, I' had given the message six different times. And I had to walk away from a seventh because we just ran out of time. but i I think I've given it maybe thirty times, and I'm giving it tonight again at another college. And so I just think it's it's God's word for the day it
0: is and you know, we're seeing that as we get to travel and interview students as well, Shay, I would say nine out of ten college students that we're uh, speaking with about camp are, you know, letting us know, hey, I, I struggle with, anxiety. So we really are seeing it in this generation across the board. Shay, why
1: do you use the word durability in this conversation?
2: I like the word durability because of the word picture that it represents. Joe, as you know, I drive my dream truck. It's a 22-year-old V10 F-250 with big mud tires on it. It's just the it's seats are all awesome. ripped up and <laughs> it's just awesome. I love it. Interestingly, the guy I bought this vehicle from, he just drove it about a mile every day. He, he parked it in his garage and he drove to his job in the city just back and forth. And so when I bought it, it was in pristine condition, but he had these big mud tires that just drove the safe suburban streets. And you look at a mud tire, like that mud tire was built to go, to do hard things, to go over the rocks, through the mud, you know, through the pasture. And when I do that and I pull back into my drive and they're all covered in mud, I'll pull out the hose and hose them off. And those tires are no worse for the wear. They were made durable. They were made to do hard things. And I just believe that about human beings, like God made us to do hard things, and specifically Christians, we know as we read the scripture that that we were made to endure and to do hard things and to do it um, in an emotionally healthy way. And so that's why I chose that word, durability.
0: Shape, talk a little bit more about the why behind, why should we do hard things? Like, why is it important to do hard things?
2: I think mostly because life is hard. We live in a broken version of the world. And ever since the fall, we know that that this world is broken. And as a result, there's there's gonna be hardships that we walk through. And we also know, as I mentioned before, is like you read through the New Testament, you know that if, if you're a Christian, you're gonna walk through hardship. You're gonna experience tribulation. You're gonna experience persecution. And I'll also say, like, I believe that, that man was made to conquer and to rule and to manage God's creation. And there's hard things about that too. But the reality is it's like God gave us everything we need to be overcomers and to experience the, the joys of enduring a hardship and climbing mountains in life. And so I just think it's a part of our nature and if we're not going to do hard things, it means we're going to have to run away and hide. And unfortunately, we see that happening all too much.
1: Yeah. So, Shay, how do you differentiate between normal anxiety and clinical anxiety? We all wrestle with anxiety.
2: That's right. Well, I think it's this is an important point to make. I don't know anything about clinical anxiety, and I don't have any business discussing it. And so, really, that's not what we're talking about when i enter in to you know a gymnasium or a locker room or in a theater as i will be tonight i always ask the question how many of you over the last 2 years have wrestled with anxiety and everyone raises their hand the reality is it's a normal human emotion it's something that we all experience believe it or not i be- i think that that normal anxiety is not necessarily a bad thing, and I'm excited to kind of make my case about that.
0: So a big question, I think, to discuss today, Shay, is how do we have purpose, or how does God give us purpose as we walk through that normal feeling of anxiety?
2: Right. So I want to take all of our listeners to Psalm 139 today. Psalm 139 is one of the most dear Psalms to my heart. It's one that I think about, meditate on, recite to myself on a daily basis. It's got beautiful truths. If you've listened to Canuck podcast for, you know, any number of, of months, you've probably heard us reference it. But it's a psalm that David writes, and he really writes about who God is and how he feels about us. And at the end of that psalm, he has... It's, a t- it's two verses, and it's really just one run-on sentence that has four action points, or four steps is probably a better way to put it. And he says, search me, O God, and know me. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And as I've practiced this in time with the Lord and walked through these steps, what I've discovered is that Behind our anxiety, I think of anxiety as a flag, and behind that anxiety, there is something that God wants to forgive, heal, care for, provide for, offer perspective on, and and ultimately there there is something that God wants to do in our life. He wants to take us by the hand and lead us in an everlasting way, and He uses that anxiety to gain our attention.
0: That's so good. Shay, I'm just thinking through sometimes, maybe there's even a barrier to getting to that point of asking God to search us because maybe we're afraid of what He might reveal to us. So, how would you even encourage someone who maybe isn't in that normal practice or habit? How do we start and even push beyond our fear and asking God that humbling question of search me and know me?
2: You're right, Bethany, because that, that's a very vulnerable place. You know, I was at church yesterday, and I was teaching a class on spiritual disciplines. And I described the spiritual disciplines as, it's like a, we've got this toolbox. And inside this toolbox are, are a bunch of different spiritual disciplines. And, and we can pull one of those disciplines out at a time, and we can apply them, and we can grow in our relationship with God. And one of the tools in that toolbox is solitude. And solitude is really powerful in that in the quiet spaces of our life, God speaks. And one of the things that the enemy has done, and probably what we should take responsibility for, is we have, we have filled up the quiet spaces in our life because we're uncomfortable with the bristling of our soul, right? There's things that we need to deal with, and I'm I'm scared of that, or I'm anxious, or I don't know if I want to... I'm brave enough to deal with it. And so we fill the quiet space oftentimes with our phone, with scrolling, or with YouTube, or with even with music. One of my favorite top five books is Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, and it's about spiritual disciplines. And I'm going to have to butcher one of his quotes, but the statement he makes, he says, the world is not in need of talented people. The world is in need of deep people. And what's interesting is he wrote that I think 40 years ago is when that book was first published. So I'm just thinking, how much more true is that now? But the reality is, is for us to grow in depth, we have to be brave enough to take advantage of those quiet spaces in our life and say, "God, search me, O oh God, and know me." I want to invite you in to my life, and that's where it all begins. Shay, I get—I'm I, picturing myself over in Indiana Wesleyan
1: in one of those classes. I can't wait uh, for you to just <laughs> go after it with us, uh, take us into one of those wonderful experiences. And I know if that broke out on that campus you know, the Holy Spirit was definitely speaking through you.
2: I want I to know more. So here's how I approach it. Every morning when I, I spend time with God, I really look at it as if I'm going to the doctor's office. And at the doctor's office, I know that, or the reason I go to the doctor's office is because I know every day I wake up and and I have issues, like I have ailments of the day. And And I'll sit down and I'll follow David's path of humility. And the first thing I'll say to God is, is, "Is, Lord, search me, O God, and know me. In other words, I'm going to open myself up authentically to you. I want to invite you into my life and I want to expose myself to you. So that's step number one. It's an invitation with God. Hey, I want to get real with you. It sounds a little bit scary. You know, I think it's intimidating on the front end, but if you have the courage to walk through this process, what you'll discover is that there is a loving God that wants to take you by the hand and lead you on a great adventure where you live healthy, happy, and full of passion. And so, yeah, I I think it can be scary on the front end, but I want to walk you through the process and hope that I can entice you to go on this adventure with God. So here's step two. David says, try me and know my anxious ways. And so what I do is I'm, I'm sitting in the doctor's office. I make that initial invitation. I open up my heart to God and I invite him in. And then I say, God, show me what my anxious ways are. And interestingly, I, I almost wake up with three or four, I call them sets of anxiety every day. It just seems to be the magic number. And I will sit in that quiet and I will just follow my emotions. And typically in the quiet, the first thing that comes up in as you process your life, it leads you to anxiety about something. And a really good way to do is to journal this. But I've got, here's the first thing, I'm, I'm anxious about a relationship that's rocky right now. So I might write that down. Here's the person. Here's how it's rocky. Here's what I've done. Here's what is irking me. Okay, here's one set. And then God will reveal another thing. I've got this anxiety over here. I don't even know what it's attached to. But as I sit there and I think about it quietly, I realize, you know what? Finances are a little bit tight. And instead of doing something about it, I've just been worrying about it. That's an anxiety. And so I'll write that down. This is bothering me. And then, you know, perhaps I've got, you know, some academic pressure And that's causing me anxiety. And I just think about that and I realize, you know what, I've been procrastinating. You know, I haven't been working hard. So I just kind of lean in and God reveals these sets of anxiety. And again, I just picture it as a flag waving in the air. I've got three flags that I want to deal with this morning. So then I move on to step number three. So number one was search me, oh God, and know me. Number two is try me and know my anxious ways. And number three is see if there be any hurtful way in me. And this is the step where this is probably the hardest one because it says, God, where am I in sin right now? I might go back over to this first set and I'm having this issue with this person and God convicts me. Shay, you're being judgmental. And you are elevating yourself. You're thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. And that's where... You know, God always writes a prescription and the prescription comes from his word. And First John 1, 9 says that if you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and just to cleanse you of your sins. I know like, okay, I've got this anxiety over here and God has opened my eyes behind that anxiety. The reason I'm anxiety about set number one is because I'm in sin and I'm wrong. And so I, I recognize that. Then I come over to this financial issue. It's really causing me anxiety. And I say, God, you know, what's, what's going on here? What's, what's the hurtful way? And it may or may not be sin. This one, it might be like, this is a legitimate financial pressure. Well, God, how can you help me? And one of the prescriptions he often writes for me is Philippians chapter four, verse six, it says, be anxious about nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving. So, in other words, I need to ask God for what I need. Like, God, I need some help with my finances. And then it says, with thanksgiving. So, I make that request known to God and then I begin to thank God. Thank you for the food in my belly. Thank you for the sunshine. Thankful. Thank you that my bills are currently paid. Thank you that my kids are warm. Thank you for the last. 41 years of your provision and meeting my needs. And all of a sudden I've got some, I got the issue. I present to God, it's still present in my life, but it's been set in the context of God's provision throughout my life. I'm I'm like, okay, I'm good here. And so we just walk through that process. And then we move on to step four. And this is, this is the fun part. It says, and lead me in the way everlasting. What that tells me is that God wants to he wants to take me somewhere better than I would go on my own. He's got a better plan for me. And when I when I make that statement, lead me in the way everlasting, it's as if, I, as, as if I take the pen out of my hand and I place it back in the hand of Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of my faith. I say, okay, Lord, where do you want to take this story? How do you want this to play out? And what's really interesting is... When I have sin, right, a, a relational sin, when I confess that sin to God and perhaps I might need to confess it to that person, I often find myself asking for my wife's forgiveness early in, you know early in the day, what happens is that anxiety evaporates, and God used that anxiety in my life to lead me in an everlasting way, and then I come over here to this financial need and and God changes my perspective. He gives me a fresh perspective. Hey, I've provided for you day in and day out over the course of your life. And I'm here and I'm gonna meet your needs. And my trust is, is rebuilt where it ought to be. And guess what happens to the anxiety? It evaporates. And so let me just, let me repeat it. Step one, search me, O oh God, and know me. Invite him into your life authentically. Number two, Try me and know my anxious ways. Show me, God, what are the areas in my life that you want to minister and care for me in? Number three, see if there be any hurtful way in me. What is it behind this anxiety that can actually be hurtful that you want to care for or heal up or release me of? And then finally, four, and lead me in the everlasting way. Give me an eternal perspective. Give me a proper perspective on these issues in my life. And Joe, to answer your question, what I believe that you'll find, and I believe this with my whole heart because I practice it daily, is that you're gonna discover an intimacy with God that is no longer scary, but it's a more appropriate way to describe it is it's addicting. Having your needs met by God is miraculous. It's beautiful. It is exciting. It's life-changing. That's the measure of intimacy that God wants to walk with us on a daily basis.
1: Shay, I'm literally sitting on pins and needles as a father, as a grandfather, as a professional. I want more. And I believe that there's a few listeners out there like me who would love to go deeper. And I'd love to come back to this on our next podcast. And I would love to Talk about being stuck when you're so anxious and you hear a great exhortation like Shay's given us today, and you just go, man, I I just feel like I can't take the next step. So many people that we talk to are saying, well, I'm just anxious. I just can't get out of it. I can't become free. I feel like a slave to my anxiety. But I believe that there is a solution, and I think we can continue to hitchhike on what Shay has given us today to think about. Would it be okay if we take off on what you shared today and take it a step further and help the folks out there listening who feel like they're just stuck right now in their Absolutely. Anxiety? I'd
2: love to, Joe.
1: Well, Bethann, I can't wait to do that. We've got some great material to talk about. On anxiety from a wonderful psychologist that I have just been enthralled with over the years, uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, and some things that Dr. Caroline Leaf gives us when we face anxiety and we feel stuck.
0: Well, I'm excited to continue this conversation soon. Like you said, I think today was just the first step in a really important and big conversation. So thank you, listeners, for sharing your time with us today. We hope today's conversation serves to fuel your I'm Third approach to family, leadership and spiritual growth. And with that we'd love to pray for you. Lord, we come before you today and just ask that you would help us as we step into this process of asking you, God, to search us, to know us, God, to try us. And God, would you help us to to trust you and to lay all of our anxieties at your feet? God, we thank you that you're a God who loves us and is with us and is for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to family, leadership and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit CannaCuckPodcast.com. And for more information about CannaCuck, you can visit CannaCuck.com.